I don't know, I just woke up from a little nap. It's a little dark, but you guys silly? I'm still gonna send it. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Send It, an NKA podcast. Uh, my name's Christian Marsh. Uh, I got a special co-host with me today, Race Liberante. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Christian? Uh, living the dream, dude. We've been doing this uh, all day. You and I have been doing some other <laughs> podcasts with uh, with our side project, Off the Grid, which has been a lot of fun. Um, today we have a pretty cool guest from the Pacific Northwest, Davin from Cart Pulse. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I don't know if I call myself cool, but that's nice. So cool. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> hey man, I, I'm excited to talk to you. I think uh, over the last couple of years, it's it seemed that you have a really good finger on what's going on, especially in your part of the country, uh, in the sport. And I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on some things. And and I know uh, we had some topics we wanted to get to uh, in a little bit, but first. Just kind of maybe tell us, because uh, I know you and Race haven't even had the chance to meet. Tell us a little bit about your your past in karting. How'd you get into the sport? Yeah, sure. Um, I started karting totally by accident. Um, I was a autocrosser and a little bit of a road racer maybe around 10 years ago, give or take. And it was during one of the off seasons where we had nothing to do that a buddy of mine was like, you should go karting. And I fell into like the default mentality of like, karting, that's for children. Like, that's silly. And then a buddy of mine, of course, called me out and said, you've never done it. How can you even try? Right. So I said, okay. Um, and we started doing some indoor kart stuff and I kind of fell in love with it. And then I did some um, indoor tournaments and leagues for a number of years and then a buddy of mine jason hall pulled me into competition carts because he said i've got something actually fast for you to drive <laughs> so uh that was probably six or seven years ago and then it kind of started from there so um i race tag now mostly x30 and some prd stuff too uh and then as i kind of got into the path of karting um i would find people asking me a lot of the same questions over and over again like how to get started where do i go what do i do um, and I couldn't find a lot of online resources to point people. So uh, I got in touch with James McMahon as we were, I was working on another unrelated project and was kind of explaining to him my frustration. And he's like, well, I have this idea. Why don't we work together? And that's kind of how Cart Pulse got started. It's that I just wanted a grassroots, way, Ray, uh, a grassroots way for normal racers to be able to say, I'm new and need help. Can somebody help me? And have a bunch of people who would be willing to jump in and help them get them started. So now we got the forums and everything's nice on the internet so <laughs> that's awesome actually we were just uh <clears throat> just in our other podcast we were talking about how how we could help grow the sport or what the community of karting could do to to grow the sport and i think one of the biggest frustrations is you know somebody getting into karting for the first time and it's all so new to them and they don't know where to go they're afraid to ask questions so they just don't they fail and mm -hmm. then they just end up going somewhere else and do a different sport yeah well i mean i don't know whether it's a symptom of the times or what but i find it like bewildering that there aren't places online that i can find just consistent information around the sport you know where to go race uh where to buy this stuff uh, popular engines i mean it doesn't need to be perfect but you know before the maybe like the ekm classic forums and i'll throw mine in there with the cart post forums and a few other places um it, it was very sparse and um 
I like I'm that guy that people don't like because I'm not the biggest Facebook proponent for storing information. And so I, I love it for the community and getting people to talk about new subjects. But Facebook is kind of like a black hole designed to keep you to feed quarters into the slot. So when I want to find something, I can't find it. And um, that was frustrating for me because when new folks would see me racing or I would run into other folks that wanted to go racing, I couldn't help them. And so, you know. If you're not going to solve the problem, don't complain about it. So uh, yeah. we started to jump in and try to see what we could do. Yeah. You guys have a, a pretty extensive directory over at cartpulse.com too, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's more James than me because he's a big data nerd with that stuff. Um, we, we put together a track directory maybe about two or three years ago of all the tracks we could find, whether they were dirt tracks or indoor tracks or outdoor tracks. Um, because it's like we have basically three rules on the Cartpulse forums. Um, Rule number one is don't be a dick. Rule number two is your version of carding is not better than my version of carding. And rule number three is just generally help everybody. And so the directory kind of came out of the second one is that we have a lot of folks who race things that we don't race, but we still want to be able to help them. So maybe you're not that interested in sprint racing, but you're interested in dirt karting or you're interested in road racing or you want to do an indoor kart because you're new and you don't want to spend all that money up front because you've never done it before. We wanted to try to find ways to help people go to what it fits for them so they would just get exposed to the sport. Because it's like, karting is like crack, right? Like once you have your first hit, it's all over. So oh, if we yeah. could just get more people, <laughs> if we could just get more people to take that first hit, like they, they're in, right? I mean, there's, there's, my, there's uh, politics there, but they're in. So My dad's <laughs> used that to sell go-karts since like 1976. I mm-hmm. think he would, he would tell people that like, Hey man, just come try it. You know, just, we'll find you a go-kart that you fit in, come to the track. We'll put you in, we'll let you make some laps. And without a doubt, nine out of 10 people were hooked, you know? they were going to come back and buy a go-kart the next week. That was the experience I had, right? So when I was racing indoor karts, uh, at the time, competition karting was something that rich people did. I didn't have any understanding of any of the classes of karts. I didn't know there was four-stroke. I didn't know any of that. So I saw competition karting as the sport I would never afford to do. And because most people, rightfully so, either don't tell you you can't fit in every go-kart or won't let you borrow their go-kart, I didn't have a way to even get in one. So I wasn't going to spend you know, six or $7,000 on a setup that I didn't even know if I even liked. Um, so you end up kind of leaning back into the car world because cars are a little bit easier to relate for, uh, relate to, right? A lot of people will by default say like, I want to race spec Miata because they know what a Miata is. They've maybe never even been on track before, but they've seen one of these cars. So they're like, oh, I'll buy one. Um, so a buddy of mine, Jason did exactly what you said, right? He put me in one. And the moment I drove one, it literally was my first lap. I was like, this is the only thing I want to do. How do I get into more of this? Right. But oh, I had for sure. I think that's the, that's the reaction. It's so good. There's nothing, you know, I, I think all of us here have at least had some level of race car experience. There's nothing like driving a go-kart. Nothing. Absolutely. Mm, easy. Well, and the other part about it is when it came down to the dollars and cents of it, it was so much harder to justify a lot of the car racing expenses when I could see how much seat time I could get in a go-kart. You know, I have buddies of mine who race cars all the time. And I mean, racing cars is cool. Don't get me wrong. It's just something different. And we'll talk about like going to go get practice. And I'd be like, well, I'm just going to go this weekend and do 100 laps. And they're like, well, I have to find a track day or, you know, I'm going to have to spend a couple thousand dollars to rent the track. And I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Go get a go kart. Get in the go. What are you doing? <laughs> right? <laughs> um, because just in my mind, it was bewildering that you were willing to wait that long to get laps in. I was like, just go 
buy a go kart. Get me. Get, get a, well, yeah. and it's so affordable. Like if, yeah. if we're just talking about laps per penny, like you know that you can. Yeah, sure. If we if we compare the cost of top level national karting to top level national uh, sports car racing or even single seater racing, there's a lot of correlation, right? Like the sure. the expense it takes to be at the top of any level is pretty similar up to a certain extent. You know, mm-hmm. obviously there's a point where the car racing uh, gets above that you know 300k a year mark but there's a lot of people spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to race go-karts at nationals we get that but if we're talking seat time you can put put together a go-kart find a local track and make a thousand laps for next to nothing compared to oh yeah absolutely oh yeah you know like how much is a local practice session out in the uh, in the pacific northwest so let me let me be fair, and I'll say it will range between ten dollars if you're a member at some of the local clubs to let's just call it a hundred bucks at some of the more like premier tracks. But let's put that in perspective to a track day to a car guy, right? Like a buddy of mine yeah. was racing oh, at the nothing. ridge. It's nothing, right? A buddy of mine was racing at the ridge, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I like I got a discount. It's only two hundred dollars for me to do this track day," <laughs> and I'm like. I could be at my local track 20 times for the cost of yeah. me doing one. <laughs> and not uh, including he's only getting, what, 30, 40 laps maybe that day? Uh-huh. If nothing breaks. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay. I think the big then, thing that that's, to me, for karting that that sets it aside from race cars, I did all that stuff, open wheel, uh, circle track, dirt, circle track, and I just, it's the labor, the man hours it takes to maintain a race car especially oh. if you're trying to do it one on a budget and two by yourself is impossible. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember working 60 hours a week just to afford the damn thing. And then I was staying up <laughs> until two or three in the morning, fixing the thing from the last race. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. It's just, it's, it's almost impossible. Like, you know, with a go-kart, I can put a whole cart together, a brand new cart and what, two and a half, three hours race ready, gone and done. And you're mechanically inclined. Like I'm a computer nerd that types a lot. Like I'm doomed, <laughs> right? Like, oh God, right? the, extra, the extra time and labor it would take to either get friends to come and help me out or take it to a shop when I was doing car stuff. That was more expensive than the actual racing. And then not only that, I'm not the fastest guy in the world, no surprise. So then I would show up to just kind of be in the middle and get my butt kicked by people who were like 50 years older than me because they had had all that pain already. I was like, no, thanks. Not my thing. Like I'm not having <laughs> any <sure>. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, right, man. So the go kart stuff. Go- there's just no way to beat it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No way. Well, and the nah. thing, I think the thing for me is how do I acclimate my car folks into go karting where they feel like they're not betraying the thing they've already committed to? Because like I don't, I try not to treat racing as a zero sum game. Right. I don't I try not to tell people that, like, hey, if you're going to do go karting, you can only do go karting or if you're going to do cars, you can only do cars like, yeah, we're limited by budget. I get that. But for some of my friends who race cars, I say, hey, I mean, there's nothing wrong with maybe just popping in a go kart every other track day or just doing practice days during the winter when you can't run your cars because the tracks are closed or, you know, just extra things to get seat time. Like between that and sim racing, there's no excuse why you can't go racing. So yeah, and it's a sim it's racing, amazing that's a- training tool. Mm-hmm. That would be a fun one to talk about, especially given everything that's going on right now is sim racing, because I know that's something all three of us are pretty passionate about. Yeah, I'm I'm rebuilding my sim rig right now, and I uh, I jokingly told my wife I just bought her a new laptop, and I was like, this is my uh, apology for the money that I'm about to spend on my sim rig, because I'm not allowed to go outside. 
Yeah, sorry, man, it's, uh, it, it's a great way to stay in shape. I think, you know, there's a lot of people that, that will argue, you know, Oh, it's, it's sim racing. It's different. It's not the same. And it's not, I mean, there's no substitution for real seat time, but especially with drivers who are still in the learning phase and, and still have a long leaps and bounds to make as drivers, you can learn so much about racecraft and learning at track and, and just the, the mechanics of it driving on a simulator we see it yeah. all the time yeah yeah I, I, you and know, I'm a big for- go ahead no no you go first oh i i was gonna say actually so i just put my rig or not my rig sorry my uh desk stand g logitech g27 set up back together <laughs> and i started i racing actually last night and i i haven't been in the seat in a go-kart in probably three weeks now or, well since nola so two and a half weeks and um and it, it helps me with my hand-eye coordination more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. Being smooth on the wheel, like knowing when the apex turn in, blah, 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 blah. Like it helps me with that, I think, more than anything, my drive craft and my race craft. When you do get the chance to race online, it's uh, it's definitely right now in quarantine time, it's the perfect training tool. <laughs> no, tell me about it. For me, it's, it's the subconscious training of the brain. Right. Because subconsciously, your brain doesn't know the difference between being in a go kart, a race car, or a sim wheel if you treat it seriously enough. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of times when I'm on my sim, you know, I still am going through the cycles in my brain of like, why did I try to make a pass like that? Why was I being so aggressive? Could I be more patient? Like, am I breathing too hard? Right. Um, my brother in law is a fitness instructor and like he taught me a lot about proper breathing and like how to breathe from the diaphragm and relax the body when I was racing. Because like he would just see pictures of me in a go-kart and he's like, Devin, you are tensed up like you're sprinting when you're sitting in the go-kart. You need to relax your body because the go-kart's moving, you're not moving. And I was like, Oh God. Right. So during quarantine time, even when I'm sitting in the sim, I'll do a long run on an F1 game, which can be, let's say, an hour and a half. And I'll try to see how I can keep my body relaxed so I can stay fresh the whole time and not wearing myself out 20 laps in because I'm tensed up for no good reason. Right. Like those little things will help when I get back in the go kart. It, it sounds silly and a lot of my friends laugh at me. But then when they see the results, they're like, oh, I should have done that, too. Absolutely. So, uh, do you run that F1, the Codemasters one? The yeah, F one official yeah, series games. Yeah, the official series. Yeah, I run leagues in there, um, and so there. You know, most of the leagues are fifty percent races, and so what I actually do for fun is I will do twenty five percent races when I want to like pretend like I'm in my go kart because the race duration is about that long. But when I run for the leagues, I do fifty percent to one hundred percent races because it's just good for the mental practice, like yeah, being able to. A lot sit of people write that off. I think a lot of people oh. write off the F one. You know, it's. I think it's a. I mean, yeah, it's a game sim or whatever the hell you want to call it but it's a good simulator like it's got the force feedback uh platforms really good i feel i feel that uh their esports platform is amazing like there's a it's easy to get into lobbies of people that are really talented in that Mm -hmm. for sure Mm -hmm. well and like what race was saying earlier right like more for me it's more about practicing my race craft and like the mental triggering of davin when i'm in a battle right like is the f1 game going to teach me how to set up a go-kart no but when I'm racing online and I'm making a dive in the last two seconds of the corner just for no good reason and I hit somebody, that's probably some stupid mistake I would have made in my go-kart too. So I need to figure <laughs> out how to set that up a little bit better. 
for sure. Um, so Absolutely. It's one of those, right? Like it's helped me a ton because like there've been times where I've been in my, in my race cart and I'll be in a battle with somebody. And you know, when you kind of get all tensed up when you want to make the move immediately, but you kind of know if you just wait a minute longer, it'll be so much easier, right? Like oh, yeah. practice, practicing that in the sim and in the cart helps a ton because there have been times where then when I get back in my race car, I'll be in a battle with somebody. I'm like, if I literally just wait 60 seconds, that pass will happen on its own. Instead of me trying to like well, blow my brains out trying to make it happen. Let's just get it <laughs> I done. I feel like there's, there's two ways to do it. The you know Ryan Norberg, I think, is known for being one of the most patient, um, you know, well thought out racers as far as his displays of racecraft. I mean, he'll lose positions sure. in a race and never like jump at the opportunity to get back in front of someone. He'll just mm-hmm. keep driving. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that works often. Or you have like, I find a lot with shifter car guys. I'm sorry, race. It's okay. The <laughs> shifter car guys seem to have way more of an aggressive, like, Instead of it being a chess game for 30 laps, it's like the most aggressive dance you could imagine every second the whole time, as long as you're within range of someone. You're not mm-hmm. wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, you're also trying to be brutal. I mean, if you're within two cart lengths of somebody, you know you're going to get passed, right? If you yeah. look back and you see a guy, even two carts behind you, especially if it's Bedozo, he's going, right? Like, yeah, there's, for sure. There's so, many, there's so much aggression in shifter cart racing, but yeah, I think. I think the sim stuff for sure, a hundred percent agree with you, Davin, that it's so good for your race craft or setting up passes. Cause that's something I, you know, if you take it seriously and you actually are disciplined with your sim racing, you can actually learn a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And what I, do you I, think the best sim is for, sh- cause I think most sims are kind of a little bit more, uh, reflective on like what Davin races, like tags and single speed, things like that. What do you think the best sim is for, uh, for shifter carts? Uh, man, I mean, honestly, I actually started running on, uh, like Kart racer pro and Kart craft for a while. And I really, I actually liked the KZ stuff on that. But aside from that, I really haven't found anything you can toss around like a go-kart and actually have the power to weight ratio in like the sim world. You know what I mean? Indy through the cars. So the in I racing the IR eighteen, the IndyCar, mm-hmm. I think is the closest thing I've found to a shifter cart. And that's what I driving on think, something yeah. small. Like cause you can you can hustle it. Like you can, you know, overdrive it into the corner and just downshift an extra gear and pull out of it. Like I think that's uh, that's the closest thing I found. And I think the F1 sim is honestly kind of driving style-wise the way you want to drive a tag, like really uh, reserved, lots of momentum, not too much overdriving at all. So, you know, funny you bring that up because that was actually one of the reasons I picked the F1 leagues to run in because like, I'm a tag guy. I don't really have that big of an interest of ever running shifter carts. Like I, I like tag. Like in my mind, 100 you ever done is the it? way to go. No, I haven't done it. And like I, I have enough Once time. Do it, I, your mind all changed. I know, but my wallet doesn't want me to do that. <laughs> exactly. like, I'm trying, I'm trying to save money somewhere, okay? <laughs> like, that's, I got into that's, T-Stroke and I was like, mm. <laughs> That's my struggle. I'm trying to race KZ with an L206 budget. Right, oh, right. That's great. You should make T-shirts that say that. Well, the problem um, is I don't have the self-discipline, right? Mm. I got into go-kart racing, for God's sake. So all of a sudden, if you put me in a shifter cart, I'm going to want to race it. Like, no. Right? So <laughs> it's kind of one of those. So I, I didn't have a that. choice. My dad put me in a shifter when I was 11. 
Ah, yeah, so you're screwed. You were, you were doomed from <laughs> the beginning. A, I, was, I was in that in Cadet too, just 60cc yeah. shifter. That was my first one. But oh, yeah, you're right. Crazy. It's a it's a drug, and I'm the same way. Like anything, even I raced RC cars for a long time and slot cars. And the yeah. problem I oh, have is so I pick up fun. I pick up a trigger or controller, and I'll I'll drop ten grand right there on the best of yep. the best stuff yep. and commit to it. And it's like, yep. why do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> yep, I have no self control in that area. And like, it, and it's funny because like my wife will make fun of me about it all the time. Like, you know, my my nine to five's in sales, and I'm a manager, and they give me a bunch of responsibility for God knows what. And my wife's like, you know, I've seen you be super responsible on like big big budgets, and then you go completely stupid on go kart <laughs> racing. And I'm like, yep, that. That is a fault I have. Yep. I don't feel bad about it, but yep, you're right. I'm like that at the grocery store. Like I'll look for deals here and there to save 60 cents, 70 cents. But when it comes to my, my carding budget, oh yeah. How many pistons do we need this weekend? Cool. Perfect. I'll buy five. Like, yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yep. 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 Uh, My mom called me once because she, she wanted to make fun of me about that. I called her once because I asked her if $25 was too expensive to spend on jeans. And she called me and she just laughed me out of the room because she's just basically said the same thing. She's like, I've watched you spend thousands of dollars on race gear and not even blink about it. And you're calling Never. me whether if $25 over jeans is like gouging me. And I'm like, spend $100 <laughs> on <No>. gloves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That I bought five of for some reason. And I'm like, yeah, because mm-hmm. they're sweet. That's you need mm-hmm. every color. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, uh, but- we did a podcast with Chris Wareheim the other day, and I actually mm. I used that glove, the minus two, seven, three on my sim. Ah, That's a, okay, I yeah. like, I'm a big fan of that glove. My carding gloves go from carding gloves to sim gloves before they get retired. So a lot <laughs> of times when I find something new that I want, I just throw the gloves I've been using in my seat. And so then I just use those until I wear a hole in the thumb where I'm just kind of tired of it. But uh, yeah, those minus <laughs> 273s are great. So one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, obviously we kind of got into the expense of maybe racing a KZ or something like that at a national level, but it's important that that doesn't, uh, you know, most of the sport is not like that. And I think <laughs> one of the things the, the Northwest does that's really cool, uh, is the blended engine, uh, programs. And it's actually the Northwest and the Northeast, uh, like Maine, Boston, those areas have the same, uh, type of thing going on. Talk to me about how that works. Um, and, and the positives and negatives you've seen from a program like that. Okay. No, that's fair. Um, so one of the things that I think that is beneficial about running our regional series is that we do run very mixed um, engine classes for both tag and for shifter. We do it on four strokes, but it's very, very rare nowadays because the 206 is just kind of, it almost made a no, no brainer. Um, but at least in the tag and the shifter areas, you see a lot of like uh, X30s running with Rotaxes, running with PRD Galaxies, running with X125s. And then on the um, shifter side, I see a lot of TMs and KZs running together and the occasional stock Honda guy that's running super light or something like that um i like it because it increases the amount of accessibility that people can get into the sport you don't have folks going well shoot i don't have this engine so i have to buy this engine before i can play um i will say that one of the downsides to that is that if you're not careful weighting and balance can be a little hard like bop is always going to be hard no matter what series you're in but like that can be a little tricky because (sighs) call it dealership bias call it 
nobody wants to dine at the mall, call it whatever you want to call it, right? You're never going to have like the winner engine that's going to be dominant across all series uh, or like all tracks, I mean. But I actually find that to be a positive more than a negative. Like I, I've raced X30 the last two years. And so compared to the other engines in my category, I probably make a little less power. But I think it's trained me to drive a lot more disciplined and just be a lot smoother and really be deliberate about what I'm trying to do because I don't have the same grunt as a rock or I don't have the same grunt as like a galaxy or something like that. So I have to make sure that like my setup is as easy for me to drive as possible that, you know, I lose as little time when making a pass as possible that I'm patient and maybe let the faster carts fight amongst themselves to slow the fight down to me rather than me trying to blow out a lung, trying to catch someone. Um, <laughs> So that, that I think that's actually helped me improve as a driver because I know that on some tracks the odds aren't with me, but on other tracks I like I have all the odds. So you get a little bit of flavor and variety, which I like. It makes the racing more fun, I think. So I had 100% what a beautiful way to look that. at it, dude. That's great because there's there's so many people that just like want to bitch about you know oh this motor won this week and like I can speak from experience. You know I've run a lot of blended. I've I've run one blended engine class uh, back when I raced, and there were people that would accuse people of oh your engine has an unfair advantage. But like being a driver on the track and having enough understanding to know like when it's the driver and when it's the motor, they can for sure make it work if they're paying attention to weights, paying attention to any changes coming out from like the engine manufacturers just to keep all that in line. Mm-hmm. But I also think people need to understand there's a little bit of give and take. Like, yeah, it's a, a huge benefit for the club and regional community to have more options. Right. Because yeah. the national guy, they can buy another motor. It doesn't matter. It's right. irrelevant. The thing that matters is the club regional guy. So if if someone finds a, a used cart with a PRD or a leopard or whatever on it and they have the opportunity to race something like that, uh, you know, more entries, more activity. Everyone loves racing with a bunch of people. But yep. you've got to just kind of deal with the fact that even though they're doing the best they can, the algorithm might not be perfect all the time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I think it helped me emotionally be able to understand when I did a good job, even if on paper it didn't look that way, because there were times where I would be in a mixed field of, let's say, 15. And let's say there were four X30s and I was fourth or fifth and the next X30 was 10th or 11th. I was like, I did a really good job today because I outdrove everybody else who had the same engine package as me. And I was amongst other people with more powerful setups than me. Okay. Devin did good today, right? And I didn't just throw all my toys out of the pram because I wasn't on the podium. Um, yeah. That being said, like I've had races where it's like rained or something in the middle, and then all of a sudden I found more pace. Surprise, surprise! And so that also like subconsciously helped me feel better about myself. Where I was like, "Hey, man, I mean, my cart was easier to drive because I was intelligent on how I set it up, and the situation, the track came to me. So, hey, go me, right?" Um, <laughs> but a lot of people don't do that. They just want to complain that they didn't win the race because so and so has destroyed you and. You're never gonna you, you you're never gonna win, right? Like if yeah. if we if we waited up to the fastest guy all the time, someone will always be the fastest guy, and the carts just increasingly get heavier. Sometimes you have to just admit that the other guy did a better job than you. And I know as cart racers, that's emotionally hard for us to do. But sometimes you have to just <laughs> raise your hands up and be like, "I suck today," right? And there's that's very really, few that's, race liberantes in the world. There's what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that, that means there's there's very few people that can show up uh, to unnamed series on any engine package and still kick no. everyone's butt. And, uh, you know, 
it comes down to the fact that sometimes there's just people who are faster, you know, that doesn't yeah. take anything away from anyone else. Right. No. Actually, that's um, that's a, definitely a good way of putting it. Like uh, the F-Series back east, they do the open tag pr- platform. Personally, I think it's good for the industry to have that one. Like Gavin said, it. it's, uh, it's a way for people to get in. I mean, right now, if I go on Craigslist in Pittsburgh, I can find a, an old Rotax, a Leopard, and a PRD on Craigslist right now. Nobody's going to buy that go-kart because they can't race it anywhere. But – it gives the opportunity for new guys to get in. And I think it, it builds competition between manufacturers. I mean, it's just like any other industry. It starts driving the cost down and the, and the, uh, the product performance up every time. And right now, you know, with the, the spec programs we have, there's no reason for rock or IAMI other than them competing against each other to improve their product or lower their cost or whatever because they're just competing as two series instead of on track at the same time mm-hmm. well and don't get me wrong there's a time and place for spec engine programs too i think absolutely um i, I don't know if if either you would remember this but um at one point scusa um the wk manufacturers cup a lot of these different series ran mixed engine classes and the consensus at that level um was you know like we talked about there's always going to be small imperfection to the the combination right unless it's like the cik and all the engines are being manufactured to the same uh you know parameters then what we're going to have is a situation where let's say an x30 is uh on a dyno or whatever slower than the rock gp um you know so they they try to make it as close as they can and it's never going to be perfect. And so the national racing, it seems like they prefer the single engine package because it takes the question out and they don't really care about the cost. You know, that's not right. a that's not a factor to them. Yeah, no, right. and I agree. I, what I was saying was on a regional slash club level, I think there's the, it'd be stupid to spec the the X30 as a tag senior only. Right. Like, yeah, to me, it doesn't make abs. It absolutely makes no sense to do that because you're just you're just closing off entries i mean you're just saying no to people at that point yeah and you would also kill off so many cart shops that wouldn't have the ability to diversify right and so that would also struggle like so for example i'm running the prd galaxy this year because the team that i run with is the distributor for the prd galaxy and so i i tested one for a year and kind of did a couple races in it and then said okay this year i want to race all in with it right and and it, it increased the kind of range of offerings for folks locally in my area that wanted to go tag that just didn't maybe wanted to run an X30 or didn't want to run a Rotax or didn't want to run an X125 or, you know, whatever else. Right. Um, and also just from a development perspective, it was just kind of fun. Right. right. Like, Hey, it's just something yeah, new and different to drive and try. So yeah, there's gotta be some innovation and some differences somewhere other than I guess the chassis <laughs> we drive on, but um, no, for sure. And actually that PRD galaxy is a pretty cool motor. Um, yeah. I know a lot of people probably don't even know what it is, but I know it's it used to be really big in Australia, and it was it was actually a pretty kick ass package. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty fast, right? Um, and, and I think kind of back to your earlier point, right? Like karting is in a state right now where we need to try to come together as a community and not make we need to have as few zero sum conversations as possible in my personal opinion. And so mm-hmm. it really frustrates me when I when I'm talking with other carters and they're like, well, don't don't do this, do that. I'm doing this, so this is the only way you can do it. I'm running Rotax, so only people who run Rotax are legitimate, right? Or I'm running X30, and I'm like, no, no, stop, all right? 
It's get them into carding. I like carding. You like carding. Let's have fun and be friends. Okay. Like that's all I want to talk about right now. I don't care what engine you have. I don't really care about how fast you are. Like, because if you're slower than me today, does not mean that you're slower than me tomorrow. And if I'm slower than you today, watch out tomorrow. I'm coming for you. Right? Like <laughs> that's just how it's going to be. And I want more people in the sport to have fun with it. And for people from the outside to look and be like, how do I get into part of that? What I don't want is people to be looking at the sport and being like, I don't need to be part of part of that. These guys are, they, they're, they're petty. They're whining over go-karts. Yeah. <laughs> right? For sure. For anybody. So I think you know, more- uh, I went I went to my first dirt cart race. I don't know if either of you have ever been to a dirt karting event. One. Um <laughs> one. Once. Okay. Yeah, once. So I mean you've got some idea. I, I had never been to a dirt karting event. Um and I had the opportunity this past year to go to the Maxis Nationals down in South Carolina. Cool. And I had I had like a, a preconceived idea of what the dirt karting event was going to be like and I was I was blown back by how the same the community was um you know mm-hmm. in bet- from sprint karting uh to the dirt karting like the things that people maybe uh were really particular about or took pride in might have been a little bit different like uh there everything's about like they love the leather jacket but they had the gnarliest like uh helmet paint jobs like their helmet mm-hmm. paint jobs i think in karting if we took 10 10 out of 10 uh, from sprint karting to dirt karting, the dirt helmet paint jobs are cooler by far. Mm. They're so they're so sweet, dude. It's insane, and like just the way the culture was and the way the people communicated and the sense of community, it was like, no, dude, these are the exact same things. Like, there's no difference at all from sprint karting to dirt karting. You have a different set of rules. Your shit comes home a little bit dirtier, but other than that, it's the same sport. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think I think the one thing that I will appreciate across all forms of karting is that there's lots of karting I enjoy watching and I don't want to do. And then there's some that I only want to do. And the reason that I take that stance is just I'm not that great of a driver. It takes me a long, long time to figure out how to do anything correctly. So I pick my one (laughs) discipline and that's the thing I'm going to do. And that's what I'm going to do for a while where I like to go to other events as far as uh, entertainment, but also from like inspiration because like I'll see how road racers set up their go-karts or how dirt carters will work on something. And it'll just give me an idea about how I can work on my own machine, right? It may not be a thing I ever participate in, but I get inspired from it. It's like when you're a muscle car guy and you look at imports or vice versa. You may never buy a 240SX, but it might help you on how you set up your Mustang. That's a good way of putting it, for sure. I like it, man. I like the way you look at it. <laughs> Definitely. Another There's thing, a lot of innovation uh, that's that don't correlate between the two. I mean, you look at some of the, like, for me, outlaw carts are my favorite thing on the planet. Um, oh, those yeah. are sweet. Those things savage. are so freaking wicked. <laughs> and you look at those things and you, you can actually, you see some things you're like, oh man, that would actually be kind of cool on, on one of our chassis. And then I look at a lot of things on those. I'm like, man, why aren't they running a 50 mil axle and blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know? But it, mm-hmm. you're right. It's all the same. It's all brand. It's all this. It's all that, right? What engine package, what this, what that. So it, it it's the same across the board, but. There's dirt go-karts being welded with robots in the United States. Yeah. Like that's cool. it's it's a legit industry, dude. It's it's super I think it's, it's bigger than ours karting, in the States dude. for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we're I talking mean, you, raw you go to w- drivers for sure. Yeah. I mean when you go to like uh for instance like Daytona Kart Week, I think we uh the road course got pretty big amount of entries, but the dirt track, I think they had like five hundred 
Entries? The Maxis Nation, the Maxis Nationals last year had like eleven hundred entries. Yeah, like Sweet. what the hell? The, That's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts, yeah. dude. And they all sh- there's no there's no like big factory team rigs or anything. It's all like families that that show up to the racetrack and race together. It's it's kept a part of the sport that I think we've really lost in sprint racing. You know, I'd have I, to I agree. I think that's really cool. I, uh, yeah. I worked with a kid named uh, Landon Lewis that that uh, ended up in the Hornaday Modified Program, and he came from dirt karting, and it was just him, his dad, his mom, and his grandfather. And I, mm. when they told me their backstory, I'm like, wait a minute, you guys still have just mom and pop like deals like that, and in karting, and he's he's the best. Like at the time, he was winning ten grand every night. He went and raced at these big nationals, yeah, and it was just him. Pops, grandpa, and mom, and you don't. We don't see that too much in the sprint side. Obviously, at the club level, for the most part. But I mean, this kid was winning big money races and big national events out of their twenty-four foot trailer. That's awesome. That's I totally love it, cool. Dude. You know, though. So I was having a conversation with some guys from Grid Life a couple of weeks ago because we were talking about you know why is their sport so much easier to promote than let's say competition karting was, and you know one of the things that we kind of came to a soft agreement on was that for car racing the vehicle is as much of a character as the driver is and so it's easier to kind of create a large amount of variety around the different types of cars and you know all of that mixture in there right the 248 to mustang example kind of maybe is out there um where karting you know if i put a tony kart a burrell a crg a top kart and a few other things together and showed my wife she would not know the difference on any of them right because they all kind of generally look the same and so you know the it kind of I feel like it should encourage more of us in karting to do better at coming together and figuring ways to share like unique stories about the drivers and communities of people within the sport so that that variety and flavor bubbles up to the surface again, because it's not so apparent to passersby when they just look in, they're like, Oh yeah, they're just driving around on a go-kart, I guess. Right. And you miss so much of the flavor that I think would drive a lot of enthusiasm back into the sport. If we could just learn to come together and do that. What, hey, elaborate uh, on what that. types of, yeah. yeah, I was I'm about to say, what types of things do you, you do you think with it? So, I mean, I think part of it is kind of maybe, first of all, use of technology, right? Like, uh-huh. there's a lot of self-promotion in go-karting, but I don't see a lot of serious promotion in go-karting. So, I see a lot of drivers saying, look at me, I race. Okay, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that, and God knows I do it as much as everybody else. But I don't see a lot of folks saying, like, you know, here's this event, you guys should go. Um, here's another team that has done great. Or promoting another driver and their work and the stuff that they've done about, like, hey, guys, look at this guy. This guy or gal is fantastic, or this family is fantastic. So you don't see a lot of that going on, um, especially, like, in a lot of uh, content creation, digital collaboration spaces. Like, you don't see a lot of YouTube videos made about karting um, that aren't just, like, lapping track day stuff, right? Um, you don't see a lot of Instagram stuff. You don't see a lot of TikTok stuff. You don't see a lot of content around the sport that really drives any sort of good stories around the sport that would make people passing by going oh how do i get into some of that oh, that's cool i'd right? have to agree 100 percent i i think i think a lot of that falls personally on the sanctioning bodies the series blah 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 the media guys um and i i think that, that you're right they have don't have touch with the public as much as they should um mm-hmm. and like for me like ryan norberg should be like a god to little kids around the country right like mm-hmm. the guy's super talented like the yep. I, the best one of the best in the world for sure and he's right here in american soil racing every weekend and, i mean he's he's he is the god of tag racing right now and yeah. but you go ask a kid at 
you know, even, even asking kids in our community already, they, some kids don't even know who he is. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, this guy's, this guy's the man. I mean, he's probably better than 95% of the guys in professional racing. I'd say, um, Mm -hmm. if he got the shot and, you know, the, the marketing's not there other than what he does for himself, which he does a really good job, I think, on his YouTube tutorials and, and yeah, coaching and he, he does. Yeah, for anyone it. who doesn't for anyone who doesn't follow Ryan Norberg, go follow him on YouTube because he's giving you inf- and granted he's not giving you all of the information, but he does coaching videos on himself, on his onboard footage on YouTube and and gives a ton of insight into like the methodology behind his racecraft and behind what he's doing and and critiquing himself and pointing things out. It's free. People like Race and I charge clients hundreds of dollars a day to do that and Norberg's just posting it. Like it's a great resource that no not nearly enough people are using. For sure. And I think there's I think there's a little bit to unpack there because I think it there's a there's a lot. It's a Rubik's Cube, right? I think on the one hand i'd like to see more people just creating content around karting just in general right um you know more than just the onboard videos with no background audio and wind noise right like if you look at let's say uh the committee of drifting or the time attack folks or even like the scca club racing folks they're more comfortable and more naturally inclined to like i need to make some content around this and let people know that it's happening and you don't see a lot about that in karting just in general um but i think part of that is also because I think as a community, we could do a better job at just um, encouraging more folks who maybe aren't the Ryan Norbergs to feel confident in making that content, right? I I don't know of a general way to say it, but like I think some people are a little bit shy because they're afraid that if they're not Ryan Norberg and they make content, that someone's just going to call them out that they suck. And really, Mm -hmm. that's not what I'm trying to get people to do. I want more people to just be enthusiastic around the sport of karting and just say, I love this. I want to show people a thing that I love doing and to get more people to do it. Right. Well, listen, I I think as long as I think as long as uh, as long as they're making something that is representing the sport in a positive way and is is encouraging other people to get involved and stuff like that. We had a talk on another podcast um, about people who just go bash on social media they just you know even uh with with me running the national karting alliance stuff there's times when people you know have issues that need addressed or whatever um and and i see a lot of times they'll take to like public forum to try to handle it right before Mm -hmm. they've made any attempt at at contacting a series or sanctioning body or or whoever the the disgruntle is is directed at Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's that's something that people see. I think that, uh, you know, if 50 percent of your friends are are outside of the racing community and every other weekend they have two two options, they can either see a post about how much fun you had with your family at your local go kart track or they can see a post about how upset they are that Billy got a rolled up black flag in the second heat race. Right. And if there's all this negativity around it, they're not going to be interested. You know, no, we don't know not. how many people we lose before we've even caught them. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure. It's a, it's a yeah. mess. I mean, when you look at it half the time, it's so negative. I mean, we've been going through like the manufacturer battle thing and there's some, certain people that are loyal to one or the other, which is great. But man, like there is sometimes I'm getting called out on Facebook, like, Oh, see, Liberante runs a 175 and I'm like, whoa, 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 back her down. Like I'm, I'm a supporter of the sport. I don't support anybody's platform 
I'll support every platform. Like, yeah, I, I we think the question is, like, yeah, right. I, I think the question is, why does it have to be one or the other? That's the question I ask people a lot. I don't why do you have to either. be a fan of one sanctioning body or one platform and not the other? And and I think a big thing is that the 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 series have a, a certain responsibility to kind of. Um, keep things somewhat in line so that they can work together at a local level, right? Yeah. Yep. But when it comes to, it seems like right now, a lot of this, uh, the negativity uh, around the shifter package, especially, is like a, uh, oh, this isn't, they don't run together, it's not good, whatever. Um, obviously, there's enough people that want to do enough racing to keep both of those programs healthy yeah and it's and people that want to make the oh it's not the same it's not cheap whatever it's a shifter cart it's it doesn't necessarily (laughs) have to be cheap because it's not meant for a club or regional level dude to be driving yeah if you wanted to go Um, race cheap by a 206 a ka and go have fun and i think that's the importance of the Exactly. The, that's the importance of like the KA and the air cooled motors. Right now, the three prominent air cooled motors in the country can all be run in the same class at a local or club level. And mm-hmm. should they be run in the same class at a national level? Maybe not, because that kind of jeopardizes the parity of the program. But right, at a right. club level, you sacrifice a little bit of that parity to be a little bit more inclusive for people. And I think Have a little that, more fun. Yeah, man, it's there's there's way too much. Um, oh, you have to be this team or you have to be that team. If there's more people promoting more quality racing and the sport as a whole gets healthier and and all of that quality racing is being uh, taken advantage of and they have participants and things like that, there's it's a good thing for everybody that yeah. there's more good racing going on. That's so exactly I have- why I attached myself to like all those USAC events, all the, mm-hmm. the one-off street races around the country because you, you go to those events and there's none of that. Right. Or even some of the local club stuff. I've gone to plenty of local uh, one off clubs here and there that, you know, are just a bunch of racers that want to have fun and go go kart racing and and don't even care about what engine you're running as long as it fits the platform they're racing. And and I actually have just more fun at events like that for that reason, that it's just we're here to race. We're here to have fun. At the end of the day, the whole reason we all got into this was because we sat in a go kart. And we had the most fun we've ever had before. Yeah, we went wee, and then we took right. it to see yeah, it. Man. Like, <laughs> right, and then we spent a hundred grand. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So I have this theory of of credit versus value in a lot of those discussions. And so whenever I see people posting negative things about go karting on Facebook, I always ask myself, what is the positioning that they're trying to take from doing that? Are they trying to get credit? Or are they trying to provide value? Because a lot of folks that I feel like are trying to create a negative bias around something, be it a series or be it an engine or whatever, I think are mostly just trying to get credit, right? They're kind of trying to shake the pot up so that someone says, oh, look at person X, person X said a thing and called them out. Ooh, right. And it doesn't really like improve anyone's quality of life around the sport. It's just self-gratification where I think anyone who's got a mind about them thinks about the value where they say, look, guys, I know we're running five engine packages together, but look, we have a field of 20 versus a field of five. So that's a good thing. I'm going to go have fun. Would you like to come with me? (laughs) Right. It's these people. I feel like there's a, a, you know, it's kind of a culture thing that there's just uh, not everything has to be black and white, you know, like leave some gray area. Make sure everyone remembers that, uh, you know, in 90 percent of cases, fun should be the first priority. Mm hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that's well, important. McLaren's I think not gonna that's call something me, that's worth no matter what happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to make it, dude. No chance. So I, I no got chance. married, right? I got married, right? And the first thing my wife said when she saw a bunch of these trophies, she's like, why do you have so many of these plastic trophies? And I'm like, well, I won a bunch of these races. And she's like, yeah, but they're just taking up space. And I'm like, uh-huh. hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I did have a lot of fun, though. She's like, yeah, but now I need a bookshelf. And I was like, okay, fair point. So now we have this rule that I can only bring home trophies under two conditions. One, I win. Or two, the trophy is like uniquely cool because it's just okay. like some neat piece of art we can have around, which I think is fair because yeah, at, the end of the fair, day, sure. at, the, at the end of the day, I'll come in third in some race and she'll come and she'll look and she'll be like, did you have fun? I'm like, yep. And she'll take the trophy and she'll bring it right back to the clip people and be like, nope, you had fun. That's worth it. It's not staying in my house. So I'm like, all right, all right fair enough. What, uh, fair enough. Does your wife go to the track with you and she when does. you go to race? Yeah, she That's does. Awesome, I'm, man. I'm one of the lucky few. Um, so I, I met my wife playing games online. So we met uh, playing Destiny 2. So oh, I, nice. I'm fortunate enough to have a wife that's a gamer that's somewhat competitive, but she's not directly competitive in my area. That doesn't mean she doesn't want to win. So yeah. she'll come and she'll help with a lot of the support stuff around the track, which I personally think has helped my racing a thousandfold because I can delegate some of the things away that I was not the best at to her and she can participate and we can kind of win together um, because then it's kind of a team effort when I'm working on something or when we're working on something, then just like I'm watching my husband do a thing he's doing. Um, she's really good at like um, double checking my work. Um, we've got this log book that I have that we go through that like it's a checklist at the go-kart we go through on the go-kart every time it goes on the track. So like we check like for uh, make sure all the bolts are tight, make sure all the set screws are tightened. We make sure that the you know, seat struts aren't loose, little things like that. Right. So she'll go through the checklist and I'll check the go-kart so that she's comfortable that I'm going out on the track in a safe condition. And I've actually checked my go-kart. So it's not the like, Oh, I'm sure so-and-so has done the work for me. Right. Um, but through the day, then she'll like take notes and help me with food and water and all these little things. And uh, it's made racing so much more fun for me. Right. Because now we're going together rather than her just sitting waiting for the damn thing to be over. Right. It's, it's made it way more fun. Way, way more fun. Right. So I, I think that's cool. It's not something you see much anymore. I mean, like my girlfriend's the same way. She's super involved with me. She's pushing my cart around the pits more than I do usually and mm-hmm. helping me out. And I, I, you don't, you don't see too much of that anymore where the family or a couple or anything's really working together on that. Like my dad, when he raced, but way before my time, um, he's got pictures of him, my mom, my aunt, her boyfriend, like everybody helping each other out. And it, it seems like you lost, it's lost touch with that a little bit. I, I think it's yeah. cool to see when you do get the chance to see it. Yeah, I was fortunate. Um, I, I jokingly tell my wife, she's, she can be kind of scary when things are competitive. She's, she's really <laughs> easy to read. So like, I'll never forget we were at Tri-Cities and I was leading a race and she's all smiles. And then someone did like a bump and run and I think I came around the next lap in like third or fourth. And I swear to God, her face went from like pure smiles to like pure rage. And I was like, I did not want to come out of the go-kart for like five minutes because I was so scared because she was just like, I wasn't really mad at you. I just wanted you to win. And I was like, see, this is why I found my person. I, I get exactly where you're at right now. <laughs> she keeps you in check. She does because she's also the first one to tell me when I suck, which I really appreciate actually because we're racers. I'm going to come out with a list of excuses why the cart won't handle or I did something. It's not my fault, right? And she's seen enough of it where she'd be like, no, Devin, you just didn't drive as well as the other guys did. And I'm like, hmm. 
I, I yeah. think I had I had a unique benefit as a kid because my dad was a, a proper racing driver. So I always had someone there that when I when I made mistakes or drove like shit, it wasn't sugarcoated. It was, right. uh, hey, dude, you did this wrong. Uh, there's no reason to sit here. And uh, he used to make the joke whenever I would try to make an excuse. He'd say, put it on a, a T-shirt. We'll start stacking them up. And when you fill the shirt, I'll listen to you. Yeah. And I, I think there's not uh, there's not enough of that in carding culture nowadays. It's uh, there's an excuse for everything. And sometimes the answer is that kid worked a little bit harder. That kid put yeah. in a more a few more practice laps. That kid <laughs> uh, tested three axles this week, you know, and, and people don't see things like that. And I think that's something important, I think, culture wise that needs to change uh, in the sport. Also, too, uh, like sometimes just bad luck, Devin, like just the first oh, hundred feet sure. of your race weren't that great. Like you just got bumped into or your start wasn't super great or the needle wasn't the right turn or something minor. Right. Um, I've also had races where like I've come back, let's say ninth or 10th, but I drove my butt off and you know, like my team and my wife are the exact same people will be like, you did fantastic. Right. And so they don't just look at the result and say, well, if you're not in the top three, this was a waste of our day. Right. They want to see me trying they want to, you know, we want to put the effort in so that we're trying to improve ourselves. And so it's just as well on the other side of the coin where when I put in a solid effort and I, maybe I don't get the trophy, but I drove really well that we acknowledge that and then move on to how do we make the next step rather than just like, oh, Davin, you were 10th, you must be trash. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I mean, to be fair, like, it's kind of how some people are. Like, I can be that way sometimes myself. Like, I'll I'll get too caught up in a result sometimes, and I will not appreciate some of the work I did to get to where I was. And so, having people who will keep me in check help me for the good and for the bad. Like, sometimes I'll be like, I'm the best ever, and my wife's like, No. And then other times I'll have a terrible rate. Well, I think is a terrible race. And somebody will be like, well, remember you got hit in the first lap and you got pushed back to 20th. And then you drove from 20th all the way to 10 in like six laps. You passed more people in the last six laps than everybody else did in the whole entire race. So high five. Let's make sure you don't That's get hit great, again. But man. like, good job. You did good. Oh, okay. Right. I'm going to be the, less mad uh, about that. One other thing uh, that I really wanted to make sure we get to, um, because I'm interested to kind of hear your take on it, maybe some of the ideas you have. Uh, and we've talked to a couple different people about this topic, actually, in the last few days, because um, I, th I think it's really important. And that is how do we grow the sport? Um, mm. You know, what types of things do you see? Uh, I know one of the things uh uh, another guest we had talked about um, was using some basic social targeting to get um, like indoor go-kart tracks, you know, make sure that people that are spending time at indoor go-kart tracks are also getting uh, sent ads about their local racetrack. Yeah. Um, some people yeah. have talked about doing more outreach. You know, you can find a lot of kids at schools and, and engage them and get them excited about it. Yeah. Uh, and then create easier avenues for people to maybe try the sport. Like we mentioned earlier, uh, what ideas do you think maybe, uh, uh, just, you know, obviously big topic to chew on, but, uh, just off the top of your head, what are some thoughts you might have on the subject? Well, okay. So I, it's been a common thing that's bugged me for a really long time is that I'd like to see more individual content creators create content around carding. Like everyone has a phone. Everyone has connections to Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Like you can stream live events. Like there's a lot of access to technology that's in everyone's pocket that people don't leverage 
very much. And I'd love to see more people create more content around the value of karting and what they're getting out of karting more so than just how they finish their races. Because I bet you if everybody who went to a go-kart track used their device, like used their phone and made a 30 second video about karting for one day, somebody would notice for sure. And a lot of time. And a lot of times we just don't, right. It's not that people don't know how it's not that it's too hard for them. They just don't try. And so it's a wasted opportunity, I feel like, where the little things, I think, are going to move the needle a lot more than like trying to get karting on TV or like some of the big traditional things I see. There's nothing wrong with those approaches. Not at all. You got to do them. But I, I, I would love to see more individual racers take more individual responsibility of promoting their sport because it'll, they are the foundation that causes the sport to grow. No one's going to do it for them. And so it frustrates me when I see people going like, oh, the sport's not growing. And I'll ask them, it's like, what's the most recent thing you've done to promote the sport of karting? And they're like, nothing. I'm like, you didn't even try to solve the problem, so don't complain to me. Right? So. I think I think some of that's got to fall on the tracks, too, though, because the tracks have the same ability. Um, and that's I mean, it's something we've tried to kind of do with the NKA is everyone that's in the NKA program. I've sent mm-hmm. out. Uh, documents and stuff to kind of try to coach them through how to get the most out of these platforms with minimal input, right? With minimal effort, you can get a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think that that, um, just like you said, I think that especially uh, organizations and tracks and even your individual person may need some training or education on how and what to do. That's definitely very, very valid. Like, I'm not saying that everyone knows how to pick up their phone and be the next YouTube sensation, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I I do think you're right. I think that um, especially by leading by example, tracks and other organizations can show that it's okay and this is what we're trying to do and help us out and tag stuff and share stuff, right? Um, I think that can gain a lot of momentum in the right places if people are just willing to put in a little bit of effort in that space like if they put a fraction of of the effort into promoting the sport as they did on trying to be better drivers i think we would really get somewhere um i think it's just making sure that especially when you're a track or a organization you find a way to be as unilaterally unbiased as possible because there's always that carding powder keg of like why are you only showing these particular drivers rather than those or Mm, why are you only showing this particular area of the sport rather than the other one but like let's get them started first i'd rather i'd rather hear more people complaining that there's content than no content and then we'll we'll tweak (laughs) here's i think too because i i can obviously speak from the back end of that is that um you know the biggest one i get is why are you guys sharing these same people why are why is this guy always in the content that's being created? Um, and the fact of the matter is, the people that are in the content that gets created from the larger events, they're in the content for some s- sort of relevant reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're watching Formula One uh, recaps or edits or whatever, Lewis Hamilton's always in them because he's the the guy. Yeah. Right. He's the guy that won. He's the superstar. He's relevant. So, of course, Norberg and Musgrave and those guys are in every Scusa edit or whatever, because those are the guys the story's about, you know. And sure. I I think that anyone that performs well, that's kind of part of the reward. No, totally. But let's also look, hook on to that same line of thinking too. I think your Daniel Ricardo's and your Lando Nordis's of the world do a fantastic job at self-promotion of the series and of themselves in a way that they've kind of gained their own following and attention. They probably They're promote like, better than the series does. Yeah, they probably do. Right. And like, I'm, uh, to be honest, they probably do. 
Right. No, you're totally right. And I think F1 is one of those weird ones because vehicle performance and don't make me nerd out about that because we'll go on for two hours. But (laughs) um, I think the part that really lies into what you're saying there is that um, I think showing that forward intent helps to create that relevance that you're looking for. I think some folks struggle. Maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's a technology thing. Maybe they're waiting for permission. I don't know the answer. But I think some point people are waiting for someone else to do the promotion for them rather than them being proactive and trying to be engaged. And so for the folks that are waiting, you're Antonio Givinazzi. Yeah. Right. Like who's that? Oh, that's right. He's an F1 driver who knows who he is. Very few. Why? Because he never talks about himself and does a lot, does very little self-promotion. He's also not in a winning car. Forgettable. Right. Well, think about, uh, I mean, think about, too, even to relate it to something in karting, um, the minus 273 glove brand. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I Chris is a smart dude, and he, he obviously knows how to make stylish stuff, mm-hmm. but that brand is as big as it is because everyone who has the glove – post pictures with the glove or sends Chris pictures like Chris doesn't have to make content every photographer in the world myself included if you get a badass picture of a minus 273 glove you send it to Chris and he posts it yep you know so that's the community blew that brand up and the carding community could blow up their local track or you know whoever yeah no totally um so one group that I think that does a good job of this from a chassis side is for a while, I think Top Cart USA did a pretty good job of that, where I would see drivers tag Top Cart USA and either tag them or hashtag them, and then they would repost them on their own official channels. And I thought that was really cool because like, you know, especially yeah. for a club racer or somebody who maybe is in their own local program to get a, a small dollop of recognition of like, hey, what you did is uh, I noticed I think is enough to kind of encourage them. And I think tracks can do the same thing. I think series can do the same thing. Right. Um, you guys especially- probably don't have much of it up in the Northwest, but have you seen the MGM, they build a, the espionage chassis. It's, it's predominantly a four cycle chassis. Oh yeah. We don't have a lot of them up here, but I, I'm aware of them. Yeah. Um, so they, they do a Facebook live show once a week and they recap everyone that <laughs> drives an espionage in the entire country. That's crazy. On their Facebook live show. <laughs> That's awesome. That's that, awesome. That type it is, it of stuff. Everyone, cool. everyone could do that. It's it's yeah. a, a a country guy from you know the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, and they he's set a up a Facebook. Li- yeah, he's a redneck. <laughs> they set up a face. They set up a Facebook live rig, and yeah. they do something that gets thousands of views. That not only helps build their brand, but I'm sure it's building recognition for carding as a whole. Well, definitely. I mean, like you've got, well, you yeah, got when little, little Jimmy gets a shout out on that. He's going to share it. And he's got a hundred, what do you say? 111 go-karts out there. He's got a hundred yeah. and let's just call it whatever. 50, 60 names getting dropped. 50 or 60 people share that. It gets out to all their friends and there you go. Yeah. That's why totally. he has 20,000 views on his videos. Well, and all you really need is one group of people to say, that looks fun. Can I try that? And we're winning the yeah. game again, right? Like at the end of the day, that's really all I'm trying to get to is get, getting people to go, that looks fun. How do I get into that? Yes. Awesome. I don't care what color your chassis is. Just come go karting with me. Come on. And I right? think that's especially going to be important for how clubs and series bounce back after this uh, shutdown that we're experiencing. Oh, yeah. It is definitely. staying in touch with people. Keep people engaged. Keep people excited. These tools are free and you mm-hmm. can learn anything in the world on YouTube. All it takes mm-hmm. is effort. Well, you That's know, funny enough, like, 
funny enough, like we have more access to more information than any time in human history and most people don't use it. Right. And like, let's just stick with the tools at your disposal right now that, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, like I could do all of those things sitting here at my desk through my mobile phone with no effort right now. They right. may not be the greatest. They may not be national level quality, but I, I could sit here and live stream my entire day all day from my phone if I wanted to. And you can and- follow the National Carding Alliance at NK <laughs> Online on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter totally. and totally. anywhere else that, that you can, you know, engage, send us stuff. We'll post it. You know, so, I, we love getting content of people that are out there racing go-karts. It's great. So here's another thing that folks could do. And and I was just thinking about this relevant too, is for maybe some of the brands who, you know, uh, I'm not so comfortable using Facebook or I'm not so comfortable using social media, you know, volunteer to maybe help them with some of their social media. Um, like I do that with some of the race teams that I work with up here. I do that from time to time with the series that we race with from time to time. Um, I don't have a ton of cycles, so I can't do it as much as I'd like, but rather than, you know, having the excuse of like, well, we don't, I don't know how to use Facebook. I'm, you know, I'm 50 plus and I don't want to use my phone. Right. Well, there are tons of drivers out there who definitely know how to use it. Right. And so volunteering and would probably to, gladly help. Oh yeah. Would gladly oh, help. I'd gladly help. Right. And so being yeah. comfortable enough to be able to kind of, you know, volunteer time or create relationships with those people who are more comfortable with technology. Right. Like I, I do this, I do it with, um, with Doug Hugler for a local, like a local level. Most of the um, material we focus on is predominantly local based, right? Because his reach is only so big. And so we focus a lot of the content on the local series and local racers and local marketing because we know how big the net is, right? Um, and so it helps him because he can focus on running his business and I can focus on promoting the things that he's doing while he's running his business, right? And it's just one extra cycle that Doug doesn't need to take because I can just take it for him. Right. And if, again, if, if every Carter spent a 10th of the time helping to promote the sport as they did racing, we would be in a much better place than we are now. Right. And it's just a fact of numbers, right? There are a lot of us out here. There's a lot of us just don't get involved in the ways that I wish we would. Um, and, and, you know, think about the value of the sport as we do it rather than just maybe self-promotion. Um, like I'm, I'm in a weird space with cart pulse because the reason why when I was working with James, I didn't want it to be like, I didn't want it to have my name on it. I didn't want to do any sort of like Davin.com promotion because it wasn't about me. Right. It was really about the sport of karting and getting more people in the sport of karting. And a lot of the projects that I work on, like not famous racing driver and other things like that kind of run down the same vein. Right. Is that it's more about trying to get a community of people together to be involved in the sport, not trying to get them to like what I'm doing or like me. Right. The value will prove itself rather than trying to get credit for something that I'm doing. And I think man rocks that not professional racing driver (laughs) gear all the time, man. Constantly. Good. Good. Every time I see her, she's wearing one. Is she? Does she? Is she doing anything anymore? A side note, but uh, she she races uh, she races carts in the Indy area actually I, I did fairly see frequently. That. Okay, yeah, fairly um, frequently. To touch on what you were saying earlier, Devin, you you said it like you were talking about the drift market, and mm-hmm. it's crazy to see like how in reality, I mean, they came from nothing into like probably one of the biggest hobby slash sports in motorsports in the last. I think they did it in like two or three years. I mean, it just grew. And 
Um, and you're right. Like it's all, I have a lot of friends from my hometown that are drifters and it's all just content creation. They're all, you know, making edits with their friends and doing this Mm -hmm. and doing that. And, and that's how that blew up so much. I mean, when you look at when they, when people are saying like sponsorship is dead, it's not dead. You just haven't figured out how to market to the right people. It's just changed. It's just changed. Completely. uh, I, my, my, my background's in entrepreneurial studies and, you know, I'm a business guy by nine to five. So like the conversations I could have about sponsorship would be another 50 hours of conversation. <laughs> but like, like you said, like the, the medium has just changed. Like the, you know, the, the competition has changed, the outlet has changed, the, where the values delivered has changed. Right. And, and I think drifting is a perfect example of a community-based sport that uses its members to create content, to create the value, to generate the marketing and to generate the attraction, to create a space where people would look in and say, that looks cool. I want a part of that, right? Absolutely. And now, now you have people who look and they go, I want to go drifting. Why? Because it looks cool. What kind of car do you have? Who cares? You go sideways, yeah. right? right? Yeah. Well, happen the dish to that. call it good. Right, yeah. I don't, I don't care if it's a Mercedes or a 240SX or a 350Z or a Miata or who cares? Send it, right? Karting needs to find a way to embrace that mentality a little bit again where we can get more people involved of like, you like racing, I like racing. Let's just send it, right? You need more of that. Right. Um, And and I think also too, it'll take a number of people willing to kind of stand in front of the hurricane a little bit because the internet can be a mean and nasty place full of terrible, awful people who just don't get off their ass and complain online and like just kind of work your way through that in order to see, think about the bigger picture. I get that with cart pulse all the time. Like, Oh, it's terrible. Right. Like I get I, my DMs are filled with people. Davin, you don't know what you're talking about. Davin, you're talking out of the side of your mouth. Davin, 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 Davin. I'm like the worst anti-Christ of carding, apparently. And I'm just like, <laughs> whatever. Like, I'm, I'm just thinking about the big picture. Right. I just want more people to enjoy racing go-karts. That's all I want. So I just ignore it. Most of the time, I actually just think of it as an interesting way to think about how to create better content in the future. Where like people will come and complain to me about something and I'm like, hmm either didn't explain that well enough or there's a new angle of a discussion I should probably have because someone's brought that to my attention. Thank you, troll. You're very great. Yeah, man. Right? <laughs> but like, I'm unique in that way. Like I'm, I'm, I'm okay getting that level of vitriol because it helps us have a better conversation in the long term. So it's fine. Not everybody's going to be like that. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think people need to approach it like that though. The, the conversation in carding needs to be about, carding and the betterment of carding and it's okay if people have their own opinions or views you know it's it's okay that people like one program or or one tire that doesn't mean that the sport as a whole can't work together you can right. you can disagree you can not like things other people like you can do it a different way but we're still the same community and there's not enough working towards the same goal going on Totally. So my, my wife and I created this little sub-brand for fun called Team Arc, which was adult racing carts. Because like at the end of the day, that's what most of us are, are just grown men and women driving around in go-karts, right? McLaren's never going to call me no matter how many races I win. There are thousands of people all throughout the country every weekend who get plastic trophies for winning races. Nobody remembers who they are. And next week, we're all going to do it again. So we might as well just have as much fun as possible and enjoy ourselves and create a fun community space that I look forward to going to rather than after spending all week working, going to suffer for two days on the weekend because I created a toxic space. Why would I do that? doesn't make any sense absolutely i love it man you know so and i think you still i mean i i love the like we were talking about the local level is is where that 
that genre of karting really sits. Like I love going out to my local club races at pit race here and, and hanging out and I'll, I'll throw a car together and go race. But afterwards, everybody's grilling together. We have a potluck mm-hmm. at every nice race. Everybody's talking about how, Oh man, dude, I wadded you up in this corner. Ha ha ha. <laughs> like it's, you know, whatever. It's a good time. They're all there to have fun. Everybody's there to help each other out. And it's refreshing to go back when sometimes we get wrapped up in the big racing, uh, like yeah. Christian and I are always attending so much. And you go back to the local level and you're like, okay, you know what? It is it is in a decent place at sometimes, right? Yeah, um, and there's talent at the local level. Like people, absolutely, people write off the talent you can find at local tracks, but like there's people at local tracks that that could easily be competitive talent wise at any at any national event, and they'll never have the opportunity to. Right, the yeah, racing's this- still good. I've got a kid that drives for me here named Von Von Glace, and he ran the Road Tax Nationals and finished eighth. His first race outside of pit race, or sorry, it was at pit race, but first race outside of an LO two hundred six ever mm, in a Road yeah. Tax. Like talented kid, super talented, but you're right, he'll never get the shot because either whatever the budget's not there, this isn't there, whatever the the case may be. Um, yeah, but. But definitely uh, agree with you, Davin, that the the racers can do their part. The series can do their part. If not, they can reach out to the racers and try and collect the content to create content. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with asking for help, right? Like um, you were mentioning drifting, and I think that's a really, really good example. Like back in the late 2000s, like when drifting was just kind of getting its feet, you know, they tried to do like a D1 equivalent over here in the States. And, you know, then they tried Formula D and Formula D kind of picked up a little bit, but they were struggling because there was this big gap between the regular grassroots racer who just picked up Super Street and liked playing around with his car and the teams that were spending you know a hundred thousand dollars an event to run and you just you couldn't naturally make that gap you couldn't really naturally close that divide right where drifting really i think took off was when social media and facebook and youtube kind of became a legitimate media source and then everyone got involved right and whether it was hey i want to promote my program or it was, hey, I'm just having fun with my friends. It didn't matter. Well, it's like, right? it's like ho- that business, uh, Hoonigan. It's yep. just a bunch of dudes sliding cars around, having a good time doing donuts. And they've created, a, oh, I, I believe the net worth of that company is well over a million dollars now. Oh, easily. And, yeah. and all they do is post videos. That's all yep. they started doing. And it's yep. uh, it started with Von Gittin Jr. and, and uh, that whole Monster Energy Squad kind of put it together and it's just taken off from there. And, and I, I personally, I think I, I, as somebody that follows the drift scene regularly, I think they changed the game and yeah, were sure. the innovators of that type of marketing. I'm not going to lie. It, it makes me always want to try to get one of those guys to a car race once because it, I always get so frustrated when I watch notable, well-talented drivers talk about motorsport and they're like, and this is not to slag the other motorsports. It's just, we're talking about karting and the people are like, well, how do I get involved? I want to go racing. And they don't mention karting because they don't think about it. Right. They say, Oh yeah, go autocrossing or yeah, go yeah. Do road racing. And those are great, valuable options. But then in my head, I'm like, Hey, what about karting? Why did nobody right. mention karting? What, what happened? <laughs> right. If I could get Ken Block in a shifter cart for 10 minutes, right? <laughs> Dude, right. I, I bet he's into it. Karting, I bet he's right? into it. I bet he already does it. He, I bet he, already does it. he does have yeah. one at Utah for sure. 
right? Uh, but like that, we we did a long time ago, and I worked at TNR or worked with TNR Kart Sport back in the day. They um they did a, a go kart for Rob Deerdeck on the Fantasy Factory that they put that r- rally cross body on, and just getting guys like that into it was for sure cool to have. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's something that Christian and I have actually talked about working on together. Like last year, he did an edit for me. And it was one of those things where like it kind of got a lot of attention and it went around quite a bit. And it's like, man, dude, we need to do these more often. Like we need to just yeah. go out on a practice day and just shoot content and just throw like 15 second, 30 second clips together and upload them and and well, start and producing GoPro's 300 bucks, dude. Right. right. Like it, <laughs> right. It, and everyone has for three hundred dollars, you can get more, uh, you know, Quality is a, a relative term, I guess, but you can get a, a, an excellent quality picture for 300 bucks. That's something that my $10,000 camera, uh, you know, produces maybe even a lesser quality image. And all you need is and a buddy with an iPhone to film the uh, outside yeah. stuff and you can put it and edit together. Yeah. I have apps on it, my phone that I can do it in a heartbeat. It was back to what we were talking about before. Like, I will say for 90% of the folks that are racing go-karts, you have the ability to make this sort of content, right? For like, sure. it's a, Like for the cost of a set of tires, you could buy a GoPro. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So stop. Like, <laughs> just go do yeah. the thing. <laughs> hey, I yeah, hate man. to get in the middle of you two guys, but I'm gonna take off. So I thank think you. Uh, I think we can actually wrap up now. Anyways, um, perfect. That works yeah, for me. I'm just about to get out coffee, of here so. too. Yeah. Um. So, hey, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on. I'd really love to have you on uh, on one of our other podcasts too. Um, sure. I think you've got some some things really the the topic about teaching drivers maybe how to market themselves a little bit and look for sponsorship uh and and take a realistic approach to that i think that that could be a good topic for one of our other podcasts so i think we'll have to do this again for sure man i would love to i appreciate you inviting me like i don't i don't have a good litmus test of where i live sometimes so it, it's a appreciate it when someone comes and asks me to come hang out with them for a bit so <laughs> absolutely man well race davin uh it's been a really good time obviously uh obviously we're all stuck at home right now but keep pounding laps on the sim and we can't wait to see you guys at the track sounds great man